0: What happens when a Christian musician faithfully serves his wife, his church, and his community? Stick around to find out, because we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. This is The Engaging Missions Show, episode 195, with Rex Schnelly. Welcome to The Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate having you. We want to provide a way for thousands of people to hear a message make a connection, and take action. And I do want to mention that I've got something coming up that's really exciting. I think you're going to want to know about that, so stick around for the end, because that's what I'm going to let you know about that. This week, we're going to be spending most of our time talking about success, the various ways that God works in our lives, and the marriage between authenticity, church community, and God's position in our lives. This is going to be really good. I think you're going to love this. All right, let's get started. Today, I am super excited to have with me Rex Schnelly. He's, and this is a long list here, he's an artist, a songwriter, a producer, a video producer, he plays a bunch of instruments, he's a discipling pastor, a worship leader, an evangelist, an apologist, he does concert and outreach ministries, and he's also looking towards being a partner with Life Austin to plant a church in Marble Falls, Texas. So Rex, that's a mouthful, but welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. It's so good to be here. Oh, and it's a delight to have you here as well. Now, I've given quite a list of things that that you do, various ways that you're involved in in serving God's kingdom. If you were to boil it down to maybe one or two things that are kind of at the core of what you do, what would you share with somebody?
1: Well, I really like the vision statement of Sim Ministries, its Servants and Missions, Mm -hmm. and they basically say, to the glory of God, to reach the unreached, and equip the church. And so that's pretty much who I am. And I do it through all the faculties and gifts that I try to, that God's given me. And it just is, it's becoming more and more my identity, you know, in union with Christ and walking with him and and processing where he brings me. So that's, that would be it. I would say to the glory of God, reaching the unreached and equipping the church.
0: Oh, that that's good. And and I know from our chat when we were on the phone a few weeks ago, we were talking about some of the amazing things that God's done. I know you have some stories of some really powerful things that God's done in your life. If you wouldn't mind, I'd kind of like to kick this off just by sharing a story that illustrates God's faithfulness or his goodness in your life and and how he's worked in your life over the years. Yes. Wow. When I was eight years old, I think I've always had
1: faith. I grew up in a Christian family. Mm. I grew up with a father who really showed me that it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Mm. And so I learned at an early age that, that sin was one of those things that breaks my father's heart. So the reason I didn't want to sin, because I didn't want to break my dad's heart, you know? Yeah. And so that really, I feel like I grew up and my dad is, is kind of a soft heart, and I think I inherited his personality. And so I was baptized when I was eight. And soon about that time, I started doing music and was a pretty good student, was pretty foolish in high school, even though I had good grades. And But when I was 19, the Lord really just kind of stepped into my, to my conscience, to the inner, inner part of my most inner being and just said, Rex, you're mine. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, don't waste your time. I, I, I need you. So from the age of 19, I started uh, writing songs christian songs evangelism became kind of a part of just who i am personality wise i just graciously dove into scripture i just wanted to know everything about my father but it was just such a it, it just fed my spirit to read and to to read commentaries to to surround myself with mentors and teachers and it was just one of those it was a supernatural experience to actually feel the presence of god in a way that and, and this is part of my experience, even in outreach, is that, you know, no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so, even in arguments and building bridges into, you know, uh, apologetics and, and telling the story of the historical Jesus and all these things, we really can't rest on the fact that we're going to convince somebody into the gospel. It's not a a matter of actually giving good information, and once they ascend to this good information, they'll make a wise decision and follow Christ. Even though, yeah. indeed, that is a part of what we do, it's actually a part of the Spirit changing their heart. And so, they really don't even understand sin, you know, until the Spirit changes their heart. So, as John Piper would say. You preach the comfort of Christ first. You know, you preach, "Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." And my question to a lot of the people that I talk to, who coincidentally culturally happen to be probably in that category of the the nuns as far as religious affiliation, they think they're spiritual, but there's you know, to the nuns, I would say, you know, is your heart weary? Is do you have rest? Do you have a peace? So everything in my life, and of course. After that 19-year-old experience, started doing music and then started doing Christian music in Austin, Texas. 1989, moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I worked with a wonderful Christian band called Russia out of Dixon, Tennessee. Yeah. Nicolai and Peter Pencrest, wonderful brothers, amazing ministry. Did that for about a year, and another church in Texas was kind of calling me and my wife back to maybe do some worship leading. But then Sony Music Publishing at that time, Talked to me and the singer who we were both going to kind of move back. You know, we we had done the Christian music experiment and kind of thought, well, that's okay, but I <laughs> you know want to get back home. <laughs> yeah, and offered us a, a, a pop writing deal, rock pop writing deal, which is a, which was interesting. And a man named Paul Worley was the head of Sony Music at that time, and real musicians, musician and. And great heart. And so we started writing there. And two years later, the pop experiment in Nashville kind of went away. (laughs) But I started producing and writing. And so, in the intervening time from 1993 till now, oh gosh, you know, I've done 3,000 or so recordings, hundreds of artists. Latest, I, my last two records were with Eric Johnson, who's a Grammy-winning guitar player from Austin. Phil Kage, I he was on my two records, and then we wrote a song I produced on his record, or we co-produced on his record, and then my part of my band was part of his band that released mm. and went on tour just a few months ago. And this just a list of, I mean, it, it's kind of uncomfortable to talk about all these people I've <laughs> <laughs> worked with, but John Majovi, Brian Adams, Olivia Newton-John. Randy Bachman, Jim Brickman, Tim McGraw, Waylon Jennings, oh, gosh, Lynn Womack, Miranda Lambert, Brooks Dunn, Blake Shelton, Merle Haggard, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Kenny Marks, Willie Nelson, Bill Anderson, a bunch of people, and still yeah. ongoing. And just recently I've had the good fortune of just wrote a song with Ed Cash, who's a, a worship songwriter. He's written with Chris Tomlin, wrote Angel Armies. I don't know if your church sings Angel yeah, Armies. Yeah, I know that one. Just wrote a song with him that was, that was really special and, and wrote another song with Tom Douglas called That's How God Makes the Rain. And so the Lord's just filling my heart with all this music. And I'll tell you, if you have time, I don't want to, you know, eat up all the time, but there's one thing that's been really, uh, being an artist, you always kind of want to figure out how the Lord's going to put you in the marketplace. But the one thing that's been paradigm shift in my heart is I'm beginning not to want to do an artistry and just be involved with a group of a church hmm. and to, you know, be involved with a group of people to to shepherd, to grow, to, you know, learn from them as well. And then there's nothing that would thrill my heart more than finding some 14 year old kid and, and mentoring him and him taking my job as a worship leader in 10 years. Yeah. You know, that, that just really is thrilling my heart <laughs> and plus preaching the gospel and all that stuff. So, that brings us up to the present. So, and my wife has struggled with a pain condition for about 14 to 15 years that really beset us in our process. Didn't have children was, was difficult. And for a while it was everything we could do just to find relief for her and doctors and, whatnot. So two years ago, I moved her to Austin to live with her parents, and I was going to sell our house here and kind of move toward ministry. So this two years has been a crucible to kind of focus on that and this Life Austin plan. And some of the things that have happened since then is is kind of the culmination of the watershed of what's happened up to this point
0: wow that's that's quite a journey, and there are actually a couple of things that kind of popped up you know as you were sharing that. One of the things I'm wondering is you know as you you look over your your history now multiple years in the music industry, working with a wide variety of people from worship leaders and artists all the way to what we might consider secular artists. I would assume that there are some times that you've really been able to share Christ's love to somebody who might not have found it in another place can has that ever happened? Yes.
1: Yes, that actually has kind of been, I guess, the training ground for me to learn how to build bridges into the, the psyche, the heart, the emotions, to actually, and then sometimes just be able to shut up and listen and build bridges of the gospel. And there's been some amazing, you know, transformations, you know, leading people to Christ or, or strengthen their faith. It's kind of interesting that most of these people kind of have a resonation in their heart with, you know with God. And, you know, they, they struggle with Christ and with the exclusivity that he, that he speaks of. And also with the blood atonement, that's the big thing in our culture that's hard to deal with, but there are ways to explain that. I don't think you can ever be comfortable with it, but I do think you can rest, you can put your trust in it and, and thank God that he actually did that. And so that's been my experience. Oh gosh, with tons of, of songwriters, producers, artists, and yes, you're right. Very interesting working with some of these people. And actually, some of them are Christians that you wouldn't really know, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's been it's an amazing journey. And, you know, there's also some, some interesting kind of, you know, from the New Age to to non-spirituality, to atheism, to people that, you know. I tell you, those atheists, they got more faith than I do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they put their faith in some big ideas that, wow, I don't think I could believe that myself, you know. Praise God for the gospel. So <laughs> yeah.
0: so as you look back over your, your career and, you know, the, the time that you came to Christ until now, if you mm-hmm. were to pull maybe one or two things out of the way God has moved through your life and revealed himself to you and through you to share mm-hmm. with somebody else, what would you pull out of that?
1: Well, th- there's there's a couple of things. Through the suffering and through actually working through congregational care and and people that struggle, I would say a big thing is, number one, You've got to steward your suffering just like you steward your blessing. Mm. You know, it's 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 one of those things where God gave a man five talents and came back and said, You know, what'd you do with it? Well, you know, it's it's really hard, but that suffering is a place where the scriptures are very clear. It says, Therefore I'll boast in my weakness, so that the power of Christ can be made manifest. And the most beautiful, powerful moments are when you know, those people that struggle with cancer or with, with terminal disease or with an addiction or with some other things, when they, when they learn to actually, you know, completely trust in Christ and steward their suffering, there's an amazing miracle that happens in that particular place where, you know, if you boast in your strength, you're kind of impotent. And I think that's kind of endemic in our churches today. We're trying to boast in our programs and plans. And really, yeah. if we can authentically tell our broken story, it's a tapestry. You know, he meets us at the fray. He teaches us how to weave his tapestry of healing, not only in our blessing, but also in our, in our struggling. So that's, that's one thing. A second thing is, is this second Corinthians three says that, I can't remember which verse I'm starting at, but it says, For the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. For we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image, to look like Jesus, from one degree of glory to another. For this is by the Spirit, who is the Lord. And so when people are peeking over the fence of Christianity, or they want to know, I just say it's about worship. The scriptures say that if, if there's somebody out there that, you know, and we're awkward at it, we, we, our flesh is still attached to these, to these, you know, spirit bodies. So we struggle with that. So we're, we're awkward at it and we have our pride. But, but yeah. if we can just for one moment lift up Christ so that, that person who maybe sung a hymn when he was eight years old and for 10 seconds can think about Jesus as beautiful and consider him and ponder and actually in that moment, appreciate His beauty. The scriptures promise we are transformed, and that's why we do what we do. He has to change us from the inside out. So those individual moments are those moments I look for in every encounter, in every situation where can we, you know, we can talk about Jesus, and inevitably we'll walk away, and say, "What? Where was your heart when we were talking?" or, or whatever, and they'll say, "Man, it was good." I say, "Hold on to that." That's the spirit. That's why we do what we do. That's why the union of the saints and the union with Christ is so powerful because he does come to us. where two or more gathered in his name in a special way Mm. that doesn't happen when we're by ourselves. This magic there, there's transformation. My healing is in you. Your healing is in me. Second Corinthians one, for we comfort one another with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And that's where the church, I think, needs to be living in this post-Christian culture in America.
0: You, you know, I, I love that you stuck all three of those together because that's such a beautiful picture of the body. I feel like and I've even read a couple articles recently about how we've kind of turned authenticity into something where we kind of forget to acknowledge the reality of God in our lives as well. And, yeah. and I love that you put that authenticity alongside the fact that we need each other and also that the worship, seeing God as he is incredibly yes. powerful stuff. I'm wondering, as you look over the last year, has there been anything new that God's been teaching you over the last month or the last few months, maybe? There's a paradigm shift in my heart. I'm
1: really, and and, and forgive me if I step on toes here, but I'm really pulling away from Facebook in a sense of, of connecting and kind of, you know, you got to be careful because it really touches your ego. It really, you know, social media kind of puts you in a place where you're trying to have to serve that that part of you that wants to be loved and accepted and pursued and, you know, all that stuff. And the Lord has just kind of given me a, I don't know, a distaste for it and turned it back around to where now I realize, wow, time is short, y'all. (laughs) the harvest is ripe. We've got a a focus. We've, we've got to do things. And not that, that communication and sharing on Facebook is, it cannot accomplish that, but there's been a real paradigm shift in that. And then also the question that I would ask a lot of people is, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? What, you know, what are you going to do with this, this gospel that is, that has grabbed you and where's your heart for people who don't know the Lord? Yeah, you know that's the question I would say. I hear a lot of sermons from preachers that it doesn't sound like they're trying to win their heart. It just sound like they're trying to be right. You know, <laughs> it's like you know, and building bridges into the heart and and really trying to communicate. That's why I love Randy Phillips at Life Austin. He he just really I can tell the man is like gone. Wow, I want to reach people. You know, I don't just theological correctness is obviously uh, you know one of those bridges. But man, I can just really tell it seeing him a, a passion to reach those people that are that are. They're lost, So that's been the thing for me is just, you know, paradigm shift in, in focus
0: and, you know, being called to being called to service. Wow. Good stuff, Rex. With that, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the ministry opportunity that's upcoming for you. Yes. Thanks. Hey, Scott McClellan with FX Missions. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. We also wanted to let you know about our Leadership Moment podcast. It's a weekly 10-minute podcast where we focus on leadership ideas, concept, and inspiration and offer interviews often with those who are stepping out and taking action. Leadership Moment. Check us out at fxmissions.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot. All right. We're back with Rex Schnelly. He's just been dropping a a big bomb really on some of us as far as our involvement with Facebook. And I, I really appreciate that because it's not that necessarily Facebook is bad, but we do need to take a minute to think about how we're using it and whether we're glorifying God. But now we're shifting our focus more toward what's potentially upcoming for Rex. This isn't necessarily a done deal, but he's moving in this direction as far as being involved in a church plant. So Rex... As you look forward to, to this move toward Austin and toward Marble Falls, the first question I have is, you know, there are a lot of different models for church ministry and church planting and things like that. With you as part of this team, will you be planting a denominational church, a traditional church? What, what's this going to kind of, what kind of framework are you working with here? Right.
1: Life Austin has a history as a as an assembly of God, Pentecostal Church, but as every church, I think in our culture, they're kind of morphing into Lord, what do you want us to be? Who do you yeah. want us to be? How can we reach the lost? Which is such a beautiful picture. And right now, the model is that it's a satellite church where they would actually have a screen, and Randy would preach during the preachment, but then the campus pastor would give the greeting, you know, the invitation, or or you know, explanation of some of the you know sacraments, and and then also kind of you know other explanations. And so that's the model that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. I I visited this last weekend to their, they actually have a church service in the Austin City Limits building, downtown Austin. They planted oh. a downtown location. And so they're just really intentional. Their message is simple on purpose. Doctrinally, it is very just, it's beautiful, doctrinally. There's life courses where people come in, you know, new believers, and there's also kind of other doctrinal courses, I think they kind of want to expand that and and make a more discipling environment. I can tell you that the first meeting I had with the executive pastor David Estes, who is a rock star. I mean, I mean, <laughs> as, far, as far as executive pastor and intentionality and 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 having a heart for the gospel, but knowing how to implement programs and systems that actually, you know, work. And then also a heart to say, okay, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, let's try something else. You know, very intelligent, very, he's worked in the Christian music industry, actually, his, his history hmm. was, I think he was at Word and then at Pamplin Records in Nashville. And so anyway, he was the first person I met and just, he saw my resume. He saw kind of that I've done not only the artistry, but also men's ministry coordinator at Christ Community Church. I was an elder at Christ Community for many years And then I worked as a men's ministry coordinator from elder position. I stepped in because we didn't have one. So they said, hey, Rex, why don't you step in? (laughs) I -hmm. said, okay. So coordinating, leading men's events, congregational care, coordination, crisis and critical care, you know, people in divorces, people, Mm -hmm. mental disease, drug addictions. We have an amazing counseling program at our church, which actually fires me up to bring that to whatever church plant that we happen to be at pastor to creatives and musicians, uh, servant leadership training, kind of there's the approach of to expect the fact that there's going to be burnout, to actually learn how to appropriately tell your broken story, but how the Lord is actually bringing bringing you to a better place and then be a coach, so to speak, to those people who are struggling in their brokenness, but want to find a breakthrough, Mm. which takes patience. It takes being available. It takes being a true elder, which has a lot of emotional intelligence sometimes that we don't test for some of our elders, you know, how to listen, how to speak into brokenness. And I want to really kind of develop that kind of leadership as well. Counseling, shepherding, you know, also I've, I've worked with some sexual addiction processes. I've worked with people who both identify as gay and both Struggle with same sex attraction on both sides of that fence. And so we talk about, you know, there's a difference between identifying gay and there's, and then also having those tendencies and yet also know that their faith requires, you know, a certain path for you to walk. Yeah. And so we, I've, I'm actually walking with a couple of men that are in recovery in that process and that's where the miracles are. Yeah. Oh my goodness. You just saw the power of God in that. It's amazing. So, you know, how do you get those needs met in a healthy way through the gospel and where the church really shows up a safe place to tell your story and get better? You know, don't be stuck in that. Get better and be accepted and loved. That's that's huge.
0: Yeah, I, I love that focus on all of the various needs that you would be able to meet within within the body. I'm assuming when you talk about, you know, sharing these kinds of things with people, you're primarily thinking about sharing, you know, with believers and helping believers continue to grow in their faith. Is that? Yes,
1: Yes, that's right. And of course, in our culture, there's so many big, big ticket issues. There's, there's abortion, there's, there's sexuality. And, and so I actually focus with the gospel. One of, one of the best ways to, to actually share the gospel evangelistically is, you know, you you can't talk about, and i want to be appropriate here, but same-sex attraction, you can't really talk about that without talking about God's purpose in general for marriage. And so I really can't just identify one area when the whole content is, you know, the Lord said, Thy shall not commit adultery. Where right. adultery is just having relations with somebody who's not your wife if you're a man or your husband if you're a woman. And so all branches of that, including, you know, what Jesus said, he even raised the standard. He said, I tell you, you who've looked lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery in your heart so he raised that standard so what are we to do with these really large powerful instructions from our lord well it's it's union with him it's actually bringing him into your sin and seeing him transform as thomas chalmers would say he actually you know gives you a new heart, a new Mm. attraction. It's the expulsive power of a new affection. It presses A new love presses out the old and that's how we transform. So powerful process.
0: And I would assume that these these kinds of programs or these kinds of things could also serve the community at large. If there are people that are struggling and are needing help, I, I would imagine that there are ways that you are also able to help them with whatever they're working with.
1: Yes. In association with many counselors, there are programs, there's resources available, and specifically in addiction areas of, of substance abuse, of compulsive, obsessive behavior, and then real, you know, psychological issues of, of chemical imbalances, emotional dysregulation of function, you know, that you actually can move in. And, and as a caregiver and, 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 a, and a preacher of the gospel, just ask the right questions. Have you eaten? Have you slept? You know, are you using? And then actually identifying places where there's recovery centers. Austin has a really good process of of addiction recovery in the musical community. There are three Mm. nonprofits that have come together. And so any musician within, I think, a certain radius of Austin can actually get connected to a recovery Program where they can actually get into a dry out phase, but then also six months of aftercare. And anyone wow. who has dealt with addiction knows that aftercare and the long term is crucial to you know finding a path of, of self care and healing. And all the while, of course, the gospel powers that. But to actually you know get on the streets with with some of these people and, and see the beauty of the gospel, and I'm telling you. Sometimes I I find myself not trusting people who aren't in recovery because people in recovery are desperate, and they have souls out, and they're like going, Lord, I have to have you lest I perish. And, you know, my heart resonates with with that kind of desperation and yet beauty of how God actually shows up and meets them.
0: Yeah. So, so we've talked about discipleship and meeting the needs of the body. We've talked about meeting the needs of the community, and we definitely see those kinds of things in, in the life of Jesus as we read the Gospels. I'm wondering, now as we shift our, our focus a little bit more toward evangelism, do you also have plans or a strategy for how to connect with and reach the lost?
1: Yes. I have a concert and worship ministry. I call it Sacred Space, and what we do is... It's an outreach worship ministry focused on strategic evangelism, apologetics a little bit, engagement. What we'll do is we'll include some TED type talk forums where we'll either talk about apologetics or the, or the historical you know, relevance and, and historicity of Christ as an actual person, the history of you know, church history and how the gospel has been consistent through the centuries. And then actually the 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 focus of what I do is a live performance where we'll actually do some music that can, combines cover songs but have a, a, a Christian worldview and then some of my music that I've written that are a little bit more specific and focused. And then, for instance, we do a song Sting wrote called If I Ever Lose My Faith, and mm-hmm. we kind of frame it a little differently. Yeah. And then throughout the concert, we just kind of plant seeds of, of, of slowly disseminating the gospel. And at the end of the, con- the concert, we do a few worship songs and say, you know, if you're peeking over the fence at Christianity... And that's usually a Saturday or a Friday concert. We'll say, come to church. We're going to lead worship. You know, you're welcome. And so usually what I can do is as a visitor with that particular concert ministry is sometimes they'll let me preach and do the worship in the Sunday morning service. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do follow up and, you know, people are curious about the church. And then hopefully we'll connect them to the services that the church can actually help on ramp some of these new believers or. Also bring back some of the people who have burned out on the church and, and want to try again, you know, to find a, a fellowship. And that's another part of it, too. You know, the church is is fracturing. And I really do think the Lord is going to is going to pour out a spirit. And we're going to learn to, you know, not only reach out to those who are weak, but also learn how to disciple each other and and bring the family back home. Yeah, you see it in how people are actually rethinking how we do worship, you know, some of the things that we think are sacred. Why do we have an elevated platform? Why do we need to de- to depend on technology so heavily? Really rethinking everything we do to say how can we glorify God and find an on-ramp for both the believer and the non-believer to worship the Father. So, I really do think the Lord is pouring out a spirit and creativity and 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 in every way. It's it's an amazing and then obviously too, what we'll do is through these outreaches, which I'll probably do once every two weeks or once every month in Marble Falls, just as a, you know, hey, if you hate Christians, come, come and experience the music and hear maybe a grace gospel that you haven't heard hmm. and then offer some, some bridging Classes, for instance, Tim Keller has an excellent video series, DVD series called The Gospel in Life by, and he yeah. interviews people and, and, and asks, you know, kind of their reservations of why Christianity is, is bothersome to them or why they don't, you know, make a commitment and makes some really good apologetic arguments. I've taught the Heidelberg Catechism. And oh my, that's been a bridge where people really didn't even know what the faith mandated. You know, what mm. does the Christian faith entail? And our our wonderful brothers in the 1500s wrote this incredible document that, you know, scripture every line. And so, uh, the first time I taught it, I had about 12 people, and I said, "Bring your Bible, and we're going to read from the message and from the New International Version and the New American Standard and the you know English Standard Version, and we're going to actually." Listen to the harmony and yet the beautiful descriptions that come from different parts of these scriptures. And we went through all of the scriptures of the Heidelberg Catechism's confessions. And I tell you, it was so encouraging, people in that class. And we still talk about it years later about how the Lord really met us there. And then also expanding a little bit through Facilitating some biologos.org discussions. I know there's the whole creationism and this, you know, science and, and but, but, but there's people in biologos that are, lo- that are Christians that, that believe the word is true and the integrity of the word and they're scientists as well. And there's really a richness of their ability to help us grab some handles on creationism and how the Lord did this and, and, and make it resonate and harmonize with science. I think it's Alistair McGrath is one of, I think it's Alistair McGrath. He's a, he's a professor at Oxford of philosophy and of, he's got a physics degree and he's a Christian and the brilliant man to listen to. And, you know, you don't have to check your brain at the door. I have another friend who is the professor of physics at Belmont University. He got his PhD from relativity at the University of Texas of Austin, and he's a He's an amazing spirit-filled Christian. So I actually interview him. I do these sacred space interviews. There's a video you can actually check out and see that particular interview with Scott Hawley. And then that's also what I do is interview people that are in those places of culture and education and the marketplace and hear the wisdom that they've garnered through their spiritual journey. And then we all come together and we apply that information. And it just makes it a broader discussion from people who didn't think they really had an opportunity to discuss, but then their conscience gets piqued, their spirits get get warmed, and they actually are invited to ask hard questions. So it's been a wonderful, amazing journey.
0: Wow, that that's cool. I'd, I'd like to go back to one of the things that you mentioned. You were talking a little bit about rethinking, and then you also mentioned gathering wisdom. And I'm wondering, yeah. as we kind of close out this section, if you think about your life and your ministry and where God's calling you, what does success look like to you?
1: Well, and that's
0: continually kind of a
1: moving target in my heart as God sanctifies me and kind of wrestles my idols <laughs> from good. me. But actually, you know, here, here's, here's what I lean on. It's not my grip of him. It's his grip of me. Hmm. The, 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 the benediction, you know, and now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne with exceeding joy. You know, that part of that benediction with to the only wise, wise God, our father, to him be all glory and majesty and dominion and power forevermore. Christian, do you know when Jesus comes back, there will be no screen of revelation of secret sins and shame. The Bible says that he will keep you from falling and present you faultless, blameless before the throne. He's going to come back and you will be set free and transformed into his image. Now, if you know that's true, if you know that when he comes back, there'll be freedom and there'll be no shame, how will that set you free to live your life until that day? That's success.
0: Well we will be back in just a minute to kind of close this out, but Rex, so far I just wanted to say thank you and we're gonna take a quick break. All right, Brian, thanks. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Oh, the first thing is just that anybody can be involved, and, and, and that's just a, a right off the bat. Anybody can be involved, and that comes probably to the top of my list. It doesn't matter what kind of personality you have. It doesn't matter if you're introvert, extrovert. It doesn't matter what your experience is. And you know, the crazy and, and awesome thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit, the same power within you. There's one God, one Spirit. And whether I've been a Christian for three weeks or I've been a Christian for 35 years as a some theologian, the Holy Spirit's going to work the same and use me at my level to be able to affect his kingdom, to be able to share his word, to be able to ha- let a, people have an introduction to him or an experience with him just by getting in there and and being what they need to be. And then God will use that. And that, that's, I think, is the most important thing.
1: If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to
0: have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right, we're back with Rex, and he's just really been sharing a lot of deep wisdom, and I really appreciate that. Now we're shifting our focus more toward you as our listener. So... Rex, I've noticed that a lot of the opportunities, a lot of the things that you've done have simply come about because you were equipped and there was a need and you stepped into it. And I'm wondering, do you ever see any ministry opportunities that are right in front of people that maybe they don't miss because they don't recognize them?
1: That's that's true. I think many people kind of either wait to be asked or they don't, you know, like, oh, gosh, the the best preacher of the 20th century, uh, Charles Spurgeon, ah. he actually said, I don't, he said, I trust God, but I don't trust his servant talking of, talking of himself. Mm. And I think we live in that kind of self doubt. And I think so. Therefore, we don't think our gifting can be plied, you know, in the, in the in the mission field, which is right right in front of us everywhere we go. So it's the marketplace, you know, it's meeting somebody from coffee, it's paying somebody's electric bill, you know, paying somebody's gas, you know, in their car that you can tell they're having a struggle and, you know, getting the phone number and then making yourself available, which is actually, you know, risking your reputation and your comfort level by, by putting yourself out there. And so I would, I would challenge people to actually, don't fear risking, you know, don't fear stepping out and then don't fear making a mistake. I mean, you know, adjust and pray for, you know, God's forgiveness. Keep your repentance list short and mm. just make yourself available. And you'll be amazed at God what God will show you. My pastor, Scotty Smith, said one time, you know, it's amazing what gets done when nobody cares who gets the credit. Yeah. And there's so many ways from, you know, from vacuuming the church to, you know, those things that we don't think are important. And yet Jesus said, those are the greatest things, you know, the least will be the the greatest and the greatest shall be the least. So, Heaven's going to look pretty interesting when we see who <laughs> is the governor of the new Philadelphia of the new heavens and the new earth. And we're going to see who, you know, all those things that I imagine from Romans 8, you know, right. 21, where it talks about all of creation longs for the redemption of the sons of men and hopes that creation itself will be set free from bondage and decay. That's huge, y'all. That's yeah. it. That's that's nature. That's that's amazing stuff. And so keep your vision big. Understand that that's what's coming, and it's sure, and it's assured. And there's also a verse in Hebrews that talks about that we, you know, all things have been put in subjection under Jesus' feet. However, we don't see them as yet being put under Jesus' feet. I'm so glad that honesty is in Scripture, very clear. You're not going to see it, but you got to believe it. you got to trust it. And one day, beloved, oh, it's going to be amazing, beyond anything we can imagine. What's going to happen when our Lord returns? Until that time, set yourself free. You know, walk away from from things that you know self performance standards, performance based acceptability, and understand the grace and mercy of our Father.
0: Enjoy it. Oh, I I love it. Is there a book or a resource that you'd recommend for us? There's a new book called Union with Christ that I that I
1: just got through reading. It's recovering the historical truth and then the practical application of what it means to be in union with Christ, to say that we are in Christ, we are with Christ. John 14 talks about it, says, if you love me, you will obey my commands and me and the Father will come and make our home with you. The Father and Jesus through the Holy Spirit are in your heart. there That's the home. And so we sometimes forget that it's not some faraway echo in in above your ceiling that you're praying. It's actually he's there. He's living. Christ said he will, you know, abide in me and I will abide in you. He manifests himself to your inner being. And if we can remember that and live in that union with Christ, and that's why this book is so amazing. You do some very practical, you know, very practical ways to do that. You know, scripture memorization that reminds you that, you know, that Christ has been crucified, you no longer live. It's he who lives in you. And that transformation is something that he promises to you and to remind yourself, he does the lifting. He does the heavy lifting. And we, we actually, what Jonathan Edwards would say, we mortify our flesh. Mm. We actually offer up and, and submit our, you know, our fleshly desires to him. And what he does is, is he, is he transforms our desires You know, a man is only attracted or a woman is only attracted to those things that are beautiful to them. And only when something more beautiful can come along and actually supplant and remove that and make something else more beautiful. And that's the same way with our flesh and our life and our sin. And until we see Jesus is more beautiful than those things, our hearts not going to naturally gravitate toward the beauty of Christ. But that beauty, when it's revealed, it happens usually in the community of believers I was I was talking to a group of, of friends of mine who were struggling with sex addiction and we were at Starbucks and we were three hours in to to sharing, you know, some some, some of the even imaginations that scripture allows us to have, like, you know, ten thousand years from now, we'll be sitting at the you know, at the feast with the with the new wine and we're gonna talk about this conversation <laughs> ten thousand years from now. And three hours passed. And one of the brothers said, you know, when I was stuck in pornography, what would happen is I would pull up the Internet and three hours would disappear. And I looked at my watch and I said, brothers, three hours just disappeared. Yeah. And it was because the Lord had met us in that place. That's who he wants to be for us and with us. And we take that testimony with us.
0: Is that the book by Rankin Wilborn?
1: Yes. Thank you. Rankin Wheelbar. Thank All you right. very much.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'll, I'll make sure to have that linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Rex Schnelly. So if you're wanting to pick that book up, you won't have to try and text yourself or something like that. To remember, oh, yeah. just visit the show we're notes. i are not prepared for that. So Rex, as we're bringing this to a close, I'm wondering how can we best pray for you? Here is the magic of what the Lord, and I say
1: magic in a spiritual sense in and, in a, you know, a pure sense. My prayer has been, Lord, don't let me go. Hmm. Lord, don't let me drift. You know, I'm prone to wander. Lord, I can feel it. Make my heart, you know, create within me a clean heart. Renew within me a steadfast spirit. For if you don't do this, it won't happen. I can't make it happen. And so, Lord, I just abandon myself to for you to create a new heart within me. So I would ask people to pray that prayer for me, you know, overwhelmingly that the the Lord would create that new heart so that out of the nature of that union with Christ is where my heart would go first and not second or third, you know. Wow. And that also, one more thing is that, that he would actually reveal that, well, that I would honor him wherever he leads me Mm -hmm. and that I'll learn what it means to share in the sufferings of Christ as well as the blessings of Christ.
0: Good stuff. And and I would encourage you, if you're listening right now, go ahead and pause the recording and just take a minute to pray for Rex in, in the areas that he's shared, because I, I know from my experience how easy it is to hear that, think to yourself, I'll pray for them. And then a couple hours later or later that night, you just can't remember what it was that you were going to pray about. So just take that minute to pause Show notes we'll have at engagingmissions.com slash Rex Schnelli. That's where you'll find links as well as ways to connect with him and all of that kind of fun stuff. Rex, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. Now, Brian, thank you so much for asking. I really appreciate it. My thanks again to Rex Schnelli for being with us and also to Jeff and Gabby for what they do. They really help to do a lot to support this podcast, and I really appreciate that. And also thanks to you for sticking around. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Schnelli. That's R-E-X-S-C-H-N-E-L-L-E. Engagingmissions.com slash Schnelli. Make sure that you check those out. They look great. They provide ways for you to connect with our guests. And also, we're always trying to find ways to deliver more value through those show notes pages. So if you have any feedback, let us know. Make sure that you come back next week. And this is the announcement. We're going to be starting a series on short-term missions. And you're probably going to want to let your friends know about this as well, because this is going to be really good. Our first guest is going to be one of my neighbors named Brian Buckaloo. He's been involved with short-term missions. He has a real heart for this and a real passion. I think it's going to be great. And that is next week's episode. And then when you let your friends or family know, just make sure that you let them know that they can subscribe to the show by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That way they never miss an episode either. And if you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please email them to feedback at engagingmissions.com.
1: Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by
0: subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.